Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to the 25th episode of 2022. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Single Listener Countries. That's right, we have a couple of countries around the world with only one listener and an honorable mention with two. So, in those countries, if you have other friends that speak English, that, no, that can listen English, they don't have yeah. to speak it, they just gotta listen it, uh, tell them to tune in or not, because then you won't be a, you, you won't be a only listener in your country. And wow, I bet And, and I can, that. I can look. Yeah, what are those countries? So, we have Russia. So, out of all of Russia, there is one listener. Romania, Armenia, South Korea, and Bosnia and Herzegovina. And honorable mention for Colombia, because there are two down there. But it could just be someone that does a lot of cocaine and listens from two different IP addresses. <laughs> sure. I don't know. I just wanted to make a cocaine joke, because it was Colombia. I'm sure they really appreciate that, Matt. Yeah, and they're going to make a school shooting joke about us. It's it's even, <laughs> okay? Is that too is that too much? No, that was great. That was perfect. That was the exact <laughs> amount that we needed. <laughs> I mean, it's real simple. If you oh if you God. don't want school shooting jokes made about you, then do less school shootings. <laughs> sure. That's you know, Kenny. You know, moving right along. That's great math. It is. Some people have a hard time with basic stuff like that. Yeah. Um, moving right along, I think tonight we're going to try and make this a slightly shorter episode. Well, if it's going to be a shorter episode while I'm talking, you have to pull up the patrons. Okay. You talk. You talk then. <laughs> she just swatted my hand away from the mic. The the mouse. Um. So. Real quick, what I've been doing, uh, not a lot of anything. Tried riding my bike, and I rode the trainer a couple of times. Uh, just been a busy week, and uh, I fell down outside. So I'll run through my week. Uh, let's see. Everything was busy for me on Friday. I fell down that morning because there was ice accumulate, like I walked around on snowy ground and packed snow into my boots, and then they froze overnight, and the next morning I like went outside to put my shoes on and chase the dog from eating snow, and usually we all go, all the dogs and I like pee in the yard for the together in the mornings. It's pretty awesome. Um, and instead of doing that, I went to jam my foot in my boot, and there was ice on the bottom of it, and I slammed my body onto the porch. And then the next morning I woke up, did you have and your? I didn't have internet. Yeah. Did you have your penis in or out at the time? <laughs> it was in. Uh, it was still in. So, thanks for checking on me and my penis. So I appreciate I that. Know. I didn't know if that added insult to injury. You know, if you uh, or extra it's injury. Not like I was. Lying. If you were in the process of peeing and then fell down peeing on yourself with your dick out, and that's yeah, the thing. Like, like, do I you went down? Yeah, do you let go and try to brace yourself, or do you continue to hold on to your penis? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure what I would do in that situation. <laughs> it probably tells a lot about a person in that situation, what you do. I don't know what it tells I don't you know about either. Them, but it tells you a lot. <laughs> Protect the head. <laughs> All right, moving on. So Friday, I fell down. The next morning, I woke up and I didn't have internet. And real fun fact, sometimes when I don't have internet, I don't have phone service either. 
I knew that someone was on vacation and someone was on sick time. And that wasn't good because there would have not been very many people left to work. But I didn't have phone service, so I couldn't even call anyone to see what was going on. So I loaded everything into my truck and I drove to Salida because that's the first place that I'll consistently have phone service. And as I got to Salida, I called a friend and I'm like, are you home? And he's like, of course. I'm like, can I borrow some internet? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, I'll be there in four minutes. And I pulled up out front, parked my truck in front of his house. His wife works for the hospital, so I wasn't going to join them inside. So I sat in the back of the mini truck and worked all day from my laptop. Plugged a heater in. It all worked, but it was not a comfortable day because I don't really fit in the truck. And then Sunday, I think I maybe rode a little bit, maybe. No, I didn't ride Sunday. I don't know. Maybe I rode Sunday, and then Monday I didn't ride, and then I don't know what I did yesterday. And then today I rode the trainer for 30 minutes. So I just started rambling. I was going it with, I made myself really sore this week by falling down and then working from a really weird work setup. And that made me really sore. So, And I've been really sore since. So, moving onwards. We're going to do $10 first, then $20 last. We're going to go top, last, so bottom up. Will, the real Matthew, Ty, Taylor, Scott, Phil, Parker, Nick, Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Lucy Stool, Lead Out Sports. I didn't realize they were in Australia. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, Josh, Josephine Exotic, Jeff, Jamie, Jake, Gordon, Garrett, Evan, Brad, Bill, Alec, Aaron, and then moving on into 20, we got Troy Laffy, Six Pack Outdoors, Mike, Brady, Anthony, and Affordable Trail Solutions. And just as a reminder, only two people in Columbia listen, in case you missed that part. <laughs> what did I don't know. I just thought that would be funny. I will to say so there. Lead Out Sports uh yesterday I think posted a picture of a mid ride snack they had and there was so much stuff that I've never seen. I mean there was a fruit cup in there, which is that's like standard fare I don't know, I've never seen a fruit cup at a gas station, which looks like where the rest of it came from, but there was some pretty wonderful looking junk food in there. Anybody else want to talk about what they've had going on, or are we just going to jump right into listener questions? My stuff's not very exciting, because I was going to go down south, but things happened, and I didn't. <laughs> so I've got no cool riding stories. Maybe next weekend. We'll see. Yeah, kind of same here. I don't I don't have a lot that i You I've... broke a spoke. Yeah, I was riding at Oil Oil Flats with uh, Josephine Exotic and... Parker. Parker. And so... Uh, yeah, I just had a rock pinball through my spokes and just took one of them out. That's really the most exciting thing that's happened to me in the last week. Do you two want to do some listener questions? Sure. All right. Um, let's start with new things we definitely hate, actually. <laughs> okay. New stands hubs. They're powered by Project 321. Because they gave up on making their own hubs. Dude, let's, now they're can just we talk about hub shells? I mean, hold on. Okay. <laughs> hold on. They're just going to jam someone else's internals in there and there's magnets. How does that shit work? And their rims are still going to crack at the drive side nipples. So, with that said, I don't. I think that we know that I'm probably not going to 
deviate from DT Swiss or Industry 9 hubs. But for those of you out there that are thinking about trying something on a budget, Industry 9 makes that wonderful one-of-one hub, and I cannot recommend it more. And I mean that. I, I, I don't have anything else to say about it, truly. I haven't, what, what's the deal? I know how the Project 321 hubs work. Magnets. I, yeah, I know. That how does they that work, shit work? I know they work by magnets, but what is... It sounds like... I. I don't know anything about them, good or bad, so other than, yeah, like Stans gave up on trying to make a hub, so they picked someone else's system, like, are those, it doesn't, off the top, it doesn't look like a bad system. It's just light. Okay. It's, it. Well, it's supposed to have less drag. I don't know if that's true, because they just say it has less drag, and, you know, what, what is less? Is it? one one thousandth of a percent less drag is it 50 percent less drag like what is it they don't tell you which is kind of silly but other than that what would be the 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 advantage of those there's dead air for a reason (laughs) i don't know i i don't know kenny have you had your hands on any i don't know anything about this particular hub but can we just talk about can we talk about the bad place that stands has been in for the past oh i don't know <laughs> six years six years at least like holy crap there was a time where their stuff was like specced on oem bikes and that kind of thing and i'm sure they're still specced on a few things from here to there but ooh, they're bad i can basically and i'm not making it up if there's a bike in our shop with a stands hub it's got like a sheared rear axle or exploded free hub body of some kind like major catastrophic stuff, not just like some bearings that are chewed up. I don't know what you guys have seen, and I know you're not necessarily in the shop environment anymore, but dang, like they're bad. And those hoops are just bad. Oof, man. Well, they're old original stuff. Yeah. Like those good old 3.3 hubs were like pretty good. And they had nice, just simple press on end caps. Everything was available for them. You could get every standard in the world. They were light, they were cheap. They were pretty damn reliable. They were so good. I don't know how they got worse and more expensive. I don't know. It's kind of like one of those things, I think, where you, at one point, a company is at the top of what's available. Like, Stan's had solid tubeless rims in the right variety of weight and size, and no one else was doing that. So it was like, Fuck yeah, stands forever. Yeah. And then everyone else caught up. Like other companies started making their own tubeless rims in solid shapes and sizes and did a great job. And it's like stands when they did like the the Mark, what is it? The Mark three. Yeah. The Mark three stuff. Like they, they changed the rim profile and then the rim started to crack and it's like. No, they changed the rim profile. They changed the rim shaping. They changed the rim alloy, though. It's That's definitely really, like made think, out of something else. You can tell when you just hold it in your hand that it's made out of like reconstituted fence posts or something. I don't know. They're so <laughs> bad. But here's the... I think Andrew is right, but also remember, when Stans was king, we were taking off loose ball XT hubs laced to non-tubeless WTB rims that would kind of work ghetto tubeless sometimes with the right tire. And you put those on, and it was just magic. I know people... They were 200 grams lighter. People are riding harder. And the tubeless setup. Stuff is bigger. There's more travel. I get it. 
but can you think about how many failures we ever had out of Stan's 3.3 hubs? Like from cracked hub flanges to sheared axles to munched bearings and blown up stuff. Like outside of people putting no, I mean, ridiculous it- miles on them, I remember that the little Paul mechanism would kind of um, wear out the actual free hub body itself over like, you know, we'll call it five to 10,000 hard off-road miles, like two to three years for a super avid cyclist. And you'd have to just replace the free hub body and it was like happy again. But they wouldn't actually even fail. They would just be noticeably like jangly and they would just... Um, no, but else. I rode I rode that same set of Mark II crest rims forever. Forever. And then I built a set of newer Mark III crest rims and rode them only on my cross bike and the drive side cracked before... I could even get them like scratched. Yeah. They weren't even two years old. And they, it's, you know, and my closing argument here is this. If anyone wants to get real, real butthurt about this, Mark II rims, I never, as a service rider, I never inspected Mark II rims for being cracked. Mark III rims, I always inspect them for being cracked before I accept working on that bike. Because I don't care about your brakes. I don't care that you want a new tire if your rim is failing i'm not touching any of it you need to address this this is a safety issue you know and anytime for those of you that are like man's just being a dick well i'll I'll give you a couple of other examples of that superfly 100s i would check the back of the seat post and i would check god i wish we had uh, the double spoke bontrager the paired spoke. yeah those those crack a lot um, but, you know, there was two places I had to check on Superfly 100s. Yeah, Paris Folk, Bontrager wheels, uh, uh, crest jet, rims. The, uh, that one generation of Niner Jet 9 RDOs where yep. the seat tube, basically the suspension pulled the seat tube apart. Yep, those bikes. And then another example of things that were like a, a hard go, no go. And you, you gave that example and it pulled my last one out. Oh, you know, just guide brakes. Guide brakes had a known, you know, date range where they weren't good. And we would always check that date range before proceeding with any other services because we wanted to solve that brake issue before anything else. Oh, that's a good uh, segue to our first listener question. Well, I'm just saying, so I'm, the thing is, is I felt like I came out a little spicy saying that they're, they gave up and they had to buy someone else's design. Maybe this is them turning a leaf. Maybe Stance is going to round a corner. We're going to see Mark Four rims next year. Who knows? Or later this season, I mean, because it's already kind of the next year. I mean, next product cycle. Who knows? This might be the start of something great. But they're, Kenny's right. They're, they're in a dark place. They've, they went from being the creme de la creme, as Andrea mentioned. But what's happened is everyone's leapfrogged past them. And then they had a really bad stutter step when they were trying to catch up. So, yeah. with that said, there's one really good thing I want to talk about that I think is really cool. Oh, man, I don't have the name of it pulled up. I saw it on... The remote control? Yeah, it's a remote control Strider brake. But it doesn't fit Strider brand. It only fits like one brand of kick bike. But pretty much if you're within 100 yards or 100 meters of your kid... And your kids like yeeting when they should be yachting <laughs> and uh, whatnot. You can hit a little button and just be like, they're Arr! they're yeeting when they should be yoinking. Yeah, and you can like jam on the brakes and stop, you know, little Sally or Johnny from 
rolling out rolling into, down the driveway into traffic. Yeah. Or just hitting the back of your Subaru or whatever. Yeah, or, you know, just trying to jump a Going force. into an open manhole. Or maybe run over their little sister or brother or whatever, <laughs> you know. So I think that's really cool. So I just really like that idea. I know that sometimes people say tech is stupid, like flight control was released and a flight attendant. And everybody was like, that's dumb. I don't want more batteries on my bike. Well, and people also say taking, like, making sure your kid doesn't hurt themselves is stupid. No, I don't. Well, like, I actually okay. had a person on Facebook that was like, bitter coating on batteries. When I was a kid, you just didn't put batteries in your mouth. And it's no, like, when you were a kid, people died from eating yeah, batteries. Yeah, it's like, no, like, you're, you don't remember this kid. Yeah, you but also, when you, were two, you know, those little. The next door neighbor kid died because they ate a battery. Those the like, little lithium coin cell batteries were not as prolific as they are now. They're in, like, all kinds of stuff right. now. Those things were just not a thing. Yeah, if you swallowed a AAA, you'd probably just shit it out. You know, a couple of weeks later, <laughs> and you'd be fine. That's probably accurate. But if you swallow a lithium coin cell, it burns a hole through your stomach. It's like horrible. Yeah. Yeah. It, and this was a person like, I think it was Quark had put out a service bulletin like, you can't use a battery that has a bitter coating on it. And this person was all huffy that they had to make sure that bitter coatings weren't on their battery because then it wouldn't work and they were all mad that big facts they probably don't own a power meter <laughs> they were probably just angry on the internet like we i are. think they were just angry on the internet <laughs> do we want to talk do we want to go full bottom up do we want to talk about starbucks releasing a 30 ounce drink yeah what would happen if you drank my my prediction i told matt this morning he said oh my oh gosh. gosh he said oh my gosh starbucks is releasing a 30 ounce cold drink and I said, you should have that. Can you imagine having that halfway through or like three quarters of the way through a 100 mile ride on a hot day? It would go one of two ways and nowhere in between. You would drink it and feel like just a superhero and just smash the last part of your ride. Or you would drink it. And as Matt succinctly put it, you would just shit a hole through your chamois. Yeah, I don't mean that you would defecate and it would pass through your chamois. I mean, as if a water jet cutter had been turned on, you would blow a hole through your chamois and just straight to the ground. Or your rear wheel. No, I think you'd be doubled over on the side of the road, like, oh, okay. leading up to this, like, oh, oh my, ah, boom. It'd be very anime style. <laughs> All right, so Ross had a question about wet and muddy riding. That's all that's written down on Andrea's list. I'm reading from that, like... But that was just because I uh, I needed to know because I pulled these off of a post on Instagram. And she needs to know what to search for right. in the doohickle thingamadigs. Okay. Well, Ross Sussex just wants tips for riding in muddy and wet conditions, a.k.a. UK and winter. Real quick, Ross, I would defer to you as the expert because I don't know shit about shit. No, we've we've ridden stuff like that in Memphis. That's the thing. So in a lot of places, trail like like the UK and kind of like the Pacific Northwest, your trails are set up in a way that riding them when they are wet and muddy causes less damage. In a lot of places, most places I would say. If you ride wet, muddy trails, it is a major faux pas, so you will not find a lot of people that have 
a great amount of experience in this. I can say we do have one trail close to Salida, the Greens Creek Trail, that is a moto trail, so it's just kind of, it's worked on pretty regularly, and, you know, they repair moto damage and stuff, so it's okay to ride it when it is wet and muddy, and it has has spots that just stay wet year-round. So I can say from my experience, either being in a bike race where it rains which is kind of like one of those things where, okay, you're on the trail already and you have to ride to the finish line, or riding trails that are kind of quote-unquote okay to ride when it's wet and muddy, that the most important thing is to only brake in the spots where you have the most traction, because when you hit your brakes, you tend to slide, and when you slide, you have less control. So, and if you're going to hit your brakes, you know, definitely bias it towards your rear brake. If you are on very slippery surface, because when your front wheel slides, you have, uh, you know, a lot less control than when your rear wheel wheel slides. But yeah, just ride loose, kind of let the bike slide and bump around underneath you and then let go of the brakes, shoot through the roots and rocks. And then when you get to the dirt or the mud on the other side, that's where you want to use your brakes. If you do use your brakes. All right. Um, oh, let's knock this one out real quick. The This one. Um, what enticed Match YT after coming down hard on Canyons at All Sun episodes back? Have a great new year, guys. So, I thought w- that we kind of answered this already. It's just that they had a bike that did what you wanted it to do, and it was in stock and affordable. Yeah, and I will say, I don't think I would buy that same bike this year. The... Last year, there was this real, what would that be? Uh, I'm trying to, there's a name for it. Just, it's just a honeymoon spec. I don't know if that's really the right term, but I mean, $5,800 with tax and a spare derailleur hanger delivered. I got triple. With carbon wheels. Triple Kashima and legit DT Swiss carbon wheels. What, what else is there? Okay. Yeah. The paint isn't amazing quality. The durability of the paint's not there like maybe on some other bikes. The bike has maybe some cosmetic blems in the carbon that when I was at Rebel would have made them demo bikes. But $5,800 Triple Kashima carbon wheels from DT Swiss, carbon crank, carbon bars. I I don't know. Show me another comparable thing out there. Those bikes are really catching up in terms of spec they're having to be more they're less bikes direct and more tier two bikes direct would be like a tier three brand now these bikes are much more tier two bikes than they were a few years ago in my opinion and it's not just because i bought one i wouldn't have bought one if i thought it was going to turn out to be a clap hole pile of junk so what else is on your list uh this should be a quick one from Sprockets and Tires, settle a argument, please. Should a bike be stored overnight or any period of time with a dropper up or down? Does it matter? I feel like it should be up, but my friend always leaves his down. Will this make the dropper wear out faster? So I'll go. In yeah. my experience, I've never had any issue either way. For the most part, 99% of the time, I store my bike yoke revive max in the fully down position. It just like takes up less real estate. I can move the bike around easier, all that kind of stuff. And some of our bikes hang on the wall. And I've never personally had an issue with that at all. It's been 
great. Um, I think I maybe bled that thing with like the quick bleeder or whatever the heck they call that thing, the little reset. Maybe like the first week I had it, like brand new, and I've literally never touched it since then for multiple years, and it's perfect. So that's anecdotal, I know, but I've never had any issue with it. I would always just defer to the manufacturer's recommendations because dropper posts are some are different than others. They can be made in a lot like, of different ways. Like there's so many different yeah. damper styles that who knows. Right. So that's why I wouldn't I wouldn't just blanket say yes or no. I would go to if you're having an argument with someone about up or down, go to that company's instructions or their website or call them or email them or whatever and say ask them what it is for that particular post because i think it's going to be you're going to get different recommendations for different places and i would equate this to how i feel about dishes and clothing if (laughs) your dish can't go in the dishwasher you probably shouldn't own it and if you have a piece of clothing that you wear frequently that needs like special care some special needs clothes um yeah maybe get some different kind of clothes and if your dropper seat post explodes when it's down for too long buy a different dropper seat post how about that I love it, Kenny, because what I was going to say is if storing your, I think it doesn't matter. One, sprockets and tires. I don't think I can settle an argument with your friend because there's probably some deep-seated like physical attraction that's causing this to bubble to the surface between y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just being ridiculous here. The big thing is, is like dropper post is no different than politics or any other thing. You're not going to change anyone's mind on them. Reverb suck. Fox transfer posts they wear out after one muddy season. Um, the bike yokes explode after two up downs. Uh, command posts will slap you in the nuts. Um, I mean, it goes on and on. We have a a reason for everything. There was you just said a lot sucking. of true stuff in there. I'm not really sure where you're going with that. <laughs> My point is, I was going to go with Kenny. But one, it's not your post, so don't fucking worry about it. Like, if your friend's shit fucks up, that's their problem. So uh, that's going to be on them. But then, two, like Kenny said, if storing your post, if your post is like, oh, no, I can't be in down too long, Ooh, then maybe you should have a post. It's not such a bitch. <laughs> that's, it sounds like. I don't know. I, yeah, that's, that sounds I feel like, a like soft the dropper post. post should. I mean, tech. Just just emotionally, I feel like dropper posts should be up. Just how I feel like the chest pocket on your jacket should be zipped. It's just like a, a thing. I see it and it's like it messes with my feng shui a little bit. So just for that reason, I say that you should leave your post up. I think when it's down, you're storing so much pent up energy that it's just not good for the energy of the dropper post. The two pieces could be giving each other a hug in that position, so it might be happier, though. <laughs> so, uh, what else is on All your right, list? We'll, we will do this fork question, because we're, we're mowing through stuff. I'm going to rally. I'll read for a second. Grizz- From Krizis. Krizis. Uh I can't pronounce that, and I'm done trying. I ride a 2017 Giant XTC single speed with a 100mm step cast out front. Normally, this is fine. However, after my 24-hour races, I have stupendously sore wrist and forearms. If I was to upgrade to a 120 step cast, what would change? Being able to run a 2.4 tire with a Y would be awesome. What offset would keep this bike most 
XE-oriented. Thanks, guys. So, rapid fire. One, a Stepcast, one, sorry, a Stepcast 32 does clear a 2.4 tire. That is its maximum recommended tire clearance. Well, it sounds like if he spells tire with a Y, he's in the UK and might be riding muddy stuff, and that might cause a little bit of a... I'm just saying that that fork is... I'm pretty sure all step casts always, since the beginning of time, have been rated for at least a 2.4, if not some of them larger than that even, right? No, anything in a 100 mil. So this is true for Fox and... Because the the, the last Sid? the last gen Stepcast thirty four, which was the first, no, gen, we're talking thirty twos. But the first gen Stepcast thirty four would fit a big old tire. The newest Stepcast thirty four is like actually tinier, right? But I think they were both labeled. The new one is uh, when I say both, I'm talking about the newest ones. Okay, but the two four has always cleared the hundred mil chassis. And the 2.6 will always clear the 34 chassis. Uh, with that said, I think you should run... Uh, 24-hour races aren't going to be extremely technical. You can't be all cross-eyed zombie and doing like four-foot drops. It sounds like you need to run more volume spacers in your fork. It would let you run less pressure to have the same bottom-out control, which would make the bike a lot more comfortable now, it's, those... it sounds like he's after better small bump compliance, if I'm not mistaken. So going with a larger travel fork is not necessarily going to solve that issue out of the gate. That might be right. a misconception. It's more about two things. One is just like Matt said, volume spacer slash air pressure situation. And generally speaking, if you want more small bump compliance, it's more volume spacers and a little bit less pressure. And also what it could be is just a simple that there's some service needed, whether it's damper or lowers, more than likely it's going to be the lower slash wipers. So your bushings, um, not saying you need to like replace them. I'm just saying as they um, get dirt stuck in between them, for example, you get old oil in there uh, or no oil or who knows what else. Basically, if your upper lower situation is slidey sliding, super nice and clean together, your small bump compliance is going to go through the roof. It's amazing what difference that makes. I would actually almost argue that having just a set of a freshly serviced set of forks is going to give you better small bump compliance than messing around with uh, like volume spacers and all that. Well, and can can I can I talk here for sure. a minute? And then I'll be done. One more thing: you're probably running so more spacers, fresh fork overhaul, front fork for Dicky overhaul your front forks. <laughs> run more spacers with less pressure, less front tire pressure also. You're probably running too much front tire pressure. I've been playing with less on my spot, and I'm getting down to creepy low tire pressure. In a 2.6 tire, I'm I'm running a tire pressure that I don't even want to admit. You could also be running a shitty handlebar or something. Yeah, yeah my handlebar is real comfy make a difference too. If you don't have one already. All right. So I've done a lot of endurance racing. Like two. Thousand. So I've done a lot of endurance racing, and I can say that I would rather endurance race on a 120 fork. If you're talking about upgrading to it, yeah, you would be, because 100 step cast is not, it does not go to 120. Anyway, I would rather race on a 120 
Doesn't have anything to do with sore wrists and forearms. Son, you are racing 24 hours. Your shit's going to hurt. If you don't want your shit to hurt, don't ride your bike for 24 hours, and especially don't ride a single speed for 24 hours. But in an endurance race, I would rather have a 120 millimeter fork because you start to just get loopy. You start to kind of, your decision making slows down, and that will a little bit kind of save your bacon, and it will make it hurt less and make it fatigue you less when you start to make those little tiny mistakes over and over and over again. Which is why people choose, you know, full suspension bikes for endurance racing, because it's just, it's a little easier on your body, and it will save your shit when you start to be tired and when you start to just make you know, death by a thousand cuts. You know, you're just making tiny little errors, you know, in your line choice. You're like, instead of being an inch to the left of the rock, you accidentally went straight over the rock. Stuff like that. You know, the bigger fork is going to be a little more forgiving in those situations. You're still going to hurt like a motherfucker. So, you know, no, I don't think it's going to change that you have sore wrists and forearms. But if you have the cash to upgrade to a 120 step cast, I don't think you're going to regret that decision for your racing. Um, I think if you aren't already, put some bar ends on there. Because having that extra hand position, when you start to be sore in one position, just changing position like that can help. Um, I like the Ergon small paddle grip with the bar end. I forget the number for it. Is that it? GP3? No, not the GP. The GP is the more like comfort. GS3. That's why I thought it was GS. Yeah. Maybe they stopped making them. <laughs> well, they're not showing up on the website, which would be really unfortunate. But I like an Ergon grip with the bar end. They make a few different styles. I like the little stubby bar end. Just the combination of Ergon grip and an extra hand position, I think would make a slight difference as well. So take out of that what you will. But I think no matter what, if you race for 24 hours, uh, it's just, it's it hurts. It never stops hurting. Josh Tostado and I had this discussion once. It actually just hurts worse because you just get better at it. So you go harder and you go faster and it just, it just beats you up even more because of just age and speed. So... It just never Agency. gets better. Just just, uh, just embrace it. All right. So Mark has a question. Mark with a Q says, pretty dumb with my SRAM brakes. Perhaps a listener question for your next show. Madura. That's a typo for Magura. I'm just being a dick. Magura versus Shimano for XE endurance events like Breck, Epic, and Leadville. I think Andrea wants to take this one. And I'm just going to side with her because I don't like the way Shimano brakes feel. And I think Maguro is just different for the sake of being different. They probably both make quality products, but I think they're both going to give you issues. I think the support, availability of spare parts, and the right to repair. Oh yeah, throwing in buzzwords of getting like any small part you need for you know rebuilding a lever or caliper for your SRAM is going to make sense. So take it away, y'all. So I hear... This a lot. And, you know, like we said earlier in the episode, SRAM brakes have had issues. 
break apology tours one through six. Yeah. So they've definitely had some issues. So if you were talking about you're done with an old pair of ceramic brakes, 100% replace them. They weren't good. If you were talking about- Bro, I am straight up not having a good time. Right. Exactly. If you're talking about the new generation of brakes, and I see that this is really unfortunate. It's really unfortunate for people who own bikes. It's really unfortunate for SRAM that a lot of mechanics out there got in their head, SRAM brakes suck, and you won't change my mind. So now when a pair of SRAM brakes come in the shop, they don't read the instructions on how to bleed them. They don't read the instructions on how to assemble them because, I mean, the bleeding is easy, especially when they change the different bleed port on the rear caliper, whatever. That part's easy. You still need to read the instructions to make sure you know how to do it. But most of the time, and this happens when mechanics or home and professional assemble brakes in their shop, they don't use a fucking torque wrench. They don't use the proper assembly lubrication. The way that the compression fitting threads into the brake hose on a SRAM hose, if you thread that stalk into the hose, with you just jam it in dry, basically, you can split the inside of the hose. That brake will never hold a bleed, and it's your fucking fault. It's not the brake's fault. The spice. <laughs> it's your fault. If you were a mechanic that installed a pair of SRAM brakes that will not hold a bleed, 99%, and I'm going to say 99% of the time, because maybe 1% of the time it's SRAM's fault, 99% of the time it's your fucking fault that that is happening. And it's not fair to SRAM, and it's not fair to the person who's riding the bike either. And that goes for any company's product. If you are a professional mechanic, it is your job to learn how to use your tools, and it's your job to learn what the company says about how to install their product. That was a mat level. <laughs> that was good. No, that's like, accurate, yep. though. <laughs> anyway, to answer, well, I mean, you guys can answer the question. I think Magura and SRAM, or sorry, Magura and Shimano brakes, um, Shimano's can definitely, I think, leak. And I think that Magura brakes are fine, but... You are you might run into the problem where if you don't have the stuff to fix your own stuff and you go to, you know, say a shop in, I don't know, bumfuck middle of Montana or Mississippi or someplace like that, well, like they're not, not going to have a Magura bleed kit. They're not going to have... They might not uh, have Magura brake pads. Uh, that's another right, one that you're going to exactly. find. Right, exactly. So... Yeah, so like that that could be the downfall. I think that's the biggest downfall with Magura stuff is that it's it's not necessarily bad. It's just that it's um not the big two. So I'll go. So yeah. First and foremost, everybody's brakes suck. It's it's a shame. <laughs> I wish that someone had finally figured it out. And for a minute there when we thought maybe Shimano had it figured out, turns out that they didn't. It's really shitty. Like there's no reason especially if you flush your brakes once a year for a mountain bike brake to fail in all kinds of wacky ways after two or three seasons of riding, in my opinion, is just not acceptable. Like we got to get past this. So hopefully we can figure it out. Number two is it's going to seem contradictory to what I just said, but 
almost everybody's breaks are better than they used to be. They still suck. They don't pass Kenny tests. Like, they're all shit. <laughs> Every single one of them I bought. They just aren't steaming giant they're piles. Not, they're just, yeah, like, nobody, smelly. Nobody has that overtly giant pile of shit break anymore, thank God, which is cool. But they all still suck. I wish they could figure it out. So my experience with Magura's with the – I'm going to get the – names wrong mt8 is maybe like the super weight weenie cross-country one mm. i don't know whatever the single piston super weight weenie one is couple things about that couple positives they feel decent at the lever not like amazing but they feel decent they're unbelievably light they seem to be fairly reliable they don't just like randomly explode which is cool <laughs> uh they make decent power like the pad compounds are pretty good. They wear out super duper fast, kind of like that power compound from SRAM, but they do work good and they're relatively quiet. Uh, pricing, I think they're pretty expensive. I can't really remember. Probably honestly somewhere down the middle uh, considering how nice they are. Negatives, pretty poor piston retraction no matter how you slice and dice it. On the two piston, you don't really notice it as much or the single piston, whatever you want to call it. Not as bad. Like you don't, even though it doesn't pull back that far, because it's such a tiny pad, it's usually not a big issue. Uh, the other downside is the clamp mechanism is like pretty janky. Uh, they use wood screws into plastic. <laughs> um, they call them something the, fancy. Yeah. They call them like fancy screws into not plastic, I think is what their, <laughs> their literature says, but that's just not true. They're wood screws into plastic. It is a coarse thread Phillips head into a thermo resin. Yeah, I think they call it like carbon nano texture or some marketing bullshit. Anyway, that's pretty janky. Also, uh, I would say every other brake I see is installed incorrectly. And again, this comes back to what Andrea said about mechanics being shitty and not reading instructions and or looking at something and using common sense. The clamps are not symmetric. I don't remember which. The top of the bottom has like a little bit different cutout. It's kind of like a top lock stem. Where you need to read or the top old lock. juicy breaks. Yeah, the juicies you... had an arrow on them at least. These don't have an arrow, I don't think, which is unfortunate. But people bolt them on wrong. So you guys should go look at your buddy's uh, Magura brake setup and see if they have their uh, their clamps installed incorrectly. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have one in front of me and I don't own Magura brakes. But I'm pretty sure that they're supposed to be top lock as in like the top is supposed to like come together and then you take out the slack on the bottom i think can't remember but regardless make sure you get it right and also they're not kidding it's one half of one newton meter is what is the torque spec and you think i'm kidding i'm not kidding it's some insanely low number uh so just be aware of that it looks like you know this guy might be shit out of luck if he wants magura brakes unless he already has a line on some because Every single break on Magura's website is either not available or back order available. So one other thing about uh, Magura's is don't ever buy MT7s or any of their quad piston brakes because if you want your brake to turn off when you let go of the lever, <laughs> they won't do that. <laughs> so uh, we've pretty much had to resort to having customers sign a piece of paper on their e-bikes because their other e-bike buddies or the internet told them to buy MT7s. And they make great power. I'm not going to deny that. But they have zero piston retraction. And they do some other really goofy things. Basically, if having a rubbing rotor bothers you, do not purchase MT7s. I'm telling you that. And we have told customers this. 
they walk in. They're like, hey, can you order me MT7s? I'm like, cool. I just want to let you know we're going to have trouble setting them up. There is no advice from them. They just rub. I've set up a thousand of them. I'm just telling you that's how it's going to be. If it doesn't bother you, they make good power. I just need to let you know they're going to rub. Okay, cool. Yeah, go ahead and get them. Okay. And we set them up. And then the next day, they come to pick their bike up. And we're like, hey, your MT7s are set up. They're rubbing. What do you mean they're rubbing? Why can't you just make them not rub? Because remember that piece of paper (laughs) I had you sign that says they're going to rub? Well, they rub. (laughs) Because that's what they do. (sighs) Ah, So anyway, if you can tell, I'm very frustrated because... I have this kind of, and you think I'm kidding. I'll have this candid of a conversation with a customer like, Hey, cool. Empty sevens. Yeah. They look neat. And yeah, they make power. They will rub. Does having rubbing brakes bother you? They're like, I don't think so. I think it'll be fine. Okay, great. They're going (laughs) to rub. Do you understand what that means? It means it's going to go chink, 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 chink. Every single time you rotate your wheel, no matter what you do, no matter who sets your brake up or how many times you bleed it, that's what they do. And they say, okay, fine, let's go for it. Awesome, I'm so excited about my new MT7s. And then we install MT7s and they rub and then they're sad pants. <laughs> so that's just how it be They sometimes. rub. Uh, what else about brakes in general? I guess let's go through the other brands. Shimano's. Shimano's just going to puke out they of the lever at some point. Have you have been to buy a whole new lever. fairly reliable. They generally make good power. Downsides are after two years of riding, they will puke out of the master cylinder like your lever is done. They make no service parts for those brakes. You can buy a complete lever, you can buy a hose, or you can buy a caliper. That is it. Uh, Sometimes you can find a lever blade, but those are pretty damn rare. Uh, So that's Shimano in a nutshell. Have you, so Matt had some haze brakes a while back that they felt nice, but I don't know. He had him on, I think, a bike he didn't ride much. I haven't used the Have new you? ones, so I can't comment on those. I, I, mm-mm. Look, those brakes were amazing. They were the... Dominion? Hayes Dominion. Look at you go. They were awesome. They set up really well. They bled really easily. They made amazing power. The lever feel, no exaggeration was as smooth as actuating like an avid what like FR7 FR5 you know just like a a cable brake lever with nothing attached to it literally just like moving a lever through the air was ripping knobs off your tire it was amazing and then i didn't ride that bike didn't get a lot of miles and then the pads were contaminated and the brake needed to be bled a lot and the pistons were leaking and i solved that with ebay so (laughs) there you go so that goes to pretty easy one that goes back to unfortunately everybody's brakes suck and like look at the problems i'm having with my trps which by the way i still haven't gotten a response from them after they said they'd get back to me i really need to like get back on the horn with them so everyone's got problems like it really sucks i wish it weren't that way so if you're looking for that magic fix it all break they're probably not there but i will say just from my short experience with the new new SRAM stuff, as much as I hate to admit it, I think they're more decent than they were before. I'm not going to say go buy them because if I do, then they're going to break and you're going to be sad. But just there may be... Wait, what kind of break? BR, 
A K E or B R E A K. We really needed to to yeah. know all, which one. Are they gonna break all breaks or break? All breaks break is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. That's we just we're just gonna end on that right there. Really? You're just gonna shut it down on all breaks break? <laughs> I think that's a, I think that sums it up perfectly. And we should just stop with that because we're out of questions and I think we're also just out of energy for the night. I agree. So buy breaks based on what the spirit moves you. Yep. They're going to break no matter what. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show.